Excuse me, madam, but may I have this dance? Sorry, my dance card's already full. Oh, but you're my wife. Sorry. It's Schmanners! And welcome. Uh, I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. You know what, Teresa? We take one week off and I almost forgot how the <laughs> intro went. <laughs> well, we did take a week off and we needed it badly. Um, we are finally in our Cincinnati apartment. Um, and it's it's coming together quite nicely. Uh, it is. We we are still sans internet. Sans internet? Sans. We are, we are without internet. <laughs> um, so that is why uh, we are doing an episode without any uh, of the questions segment. Uh, we're just going to talk about like the history and the things. So it's going to be a little bit shorter. We should have uh, internet back by next Thursday. So hopefully we'll be back to uh, regular format. Um, but, you know, we don't want to miss another week and uh, also, this topic is one that we've talked about doing for a while, because I've kind of hinted at my history with it, and my uh, it being a bit of my schmanners origins as my understanding of manners <laughs> and etiquette. And I'm very excited to hear these stories for the, what, 10th, 15th, 20th time? I would not say these stories are flattering. They're not unflattering, <laughs> but they're mostly about like 13 or 14 year old Travis, and he was a real dangus. Um, so we're talking about what cotillions and debutante balls. Yes. Um, so cotillion, uh, is, is more of a, an American invention. It's etiquette class, right? Well, not just etiquette class, but it is, it's an etiquette class that culminates in an event. And is it? Tied to the same roots is like the debutante ball, the coming out kind of yeah, event. Yeah, it, it is. It is. Um, because you have a debutante ball um, and the the male equivalent I have seen is butillion. What? A butillion ball. I want that. Is it, um, It's probably too late for me to do that, though, isn't it? Yeah. Not only am I married, I'm also like 32. I'd be, yeah. what's uh, the male equivalent of an old confirmed bachelor? What's What am I? A bachelor? Lifelong no. bachelor? No. Well, I mean, I'm married now, but if I wasn't at 30, it's not important. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. So. Now, I, before we get into the history and everything. Okay, okay. You did mention to me before we started recording that we would not be doing like quinceañera or sweet 16 or that why why well um traditionally sweet 16 uh centers around obviously a birthday uh quinceañera the 15th birthday but quinceañera has a distinctly religious tone to it oh really um it is it is one of the it's kind of a Catholic tradition in in the the Spanish speaking world. Okay, but we will do eventually. Oh, sure, of course. We'll of do course. a whole like quinceanera and sweet six. We'll do like a run of them and do quinceaneras, sweet sixteen, uh, bot and bar mitzvahs. Sure, I did. Think, I say that right? Yeah, yeah. Bot is female, bar is male. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I think that we can very easily 
cover quinceanera and bat and bar mitzvahs together because they do have those religious overtones. Okay. Well, you know what? When we get to it, we'll see how much information we can dig up. <laughs> um, so, but let's focus on now cotillions and debutante balls. Uh, so I, I did cotillion when I was, oh, I want to say 13, 14, somewhere in there. I think I was in middle school. It would have been middle school, so maybe 12. Now, that is a little young, according to my research. Traditionally, uh, cotillion, although although it could last, I suppose it could start in middle school, you aren't officially debuted until junior or senior year of high school. Now, honey, this may surprise you. I did not have an official debut. <laughs> this, when I say cotillion, um, I, I should be clear. Uh, West Virginia, though, most would assume it is southern. It is not. It is a northern. It's a Yankee state. It exists uh, because it seceded uh, from Virginia to join the Union. So I would say by that, uh, I historically, I would say it's a northern state. I'm not sure about the Mason-Dixon line or any of that. But definitely it shares some roots um, with the southern states, but the cotillion I went to was mostly um, a formality um, in that it was like kind of what you did um, when you were in middle school. Like everybody I knew, Justin did it, Griffin did it. It was just like, oh, you're 12, you're going to this thing at the, what was the name of the building? Women's Club? Something. They had a big ballroom. You went like every Wednesday night or every Thursday night or something for like, I don't know, eight weeks. And at the okay. end of it, there was a big dance that parents came and sat on bleachers and watched the dance happen. And now as I'm describing it is the creepiest thing I can remember. Well, Travis, I have to tell you that dance, that was your coming out. What? That was your debut. No. Yeah. No. Okay. Get out. Well, didn't I describe it as a class with an event at the end? That dance was your I event. debuted? You did. Oh no! This is this is rock to my very core. Everything I understood about myself. It doesn't seem as though you were actually introduced to society. Uh, <laughs> Not no. I escaped from the attic. <laughs> uh, traditionally, there would be some sort of presentation with bowing and curtsying, and your name being read aloud that several happened. times. Oh, yep, that was it. We entered together. My my date and I, Mallory Morgan, was okay. my date. Mm-hmm. When I and we were announced like an oh. old timey, like yep, really. Were you presented by your father or your mother or I her father or mother? I, I don't think that happened. Okay, well, so that's that's a little different. But your name was read aloud, and yep. you were you were debuted. And we had, and listen, it was throwback as all get out. We had like dance cards Mm -hmm. and, uh, we basically learned like the foxtrot and the bunny hop and, uh, the, did we do the jitterbug? We did like, you know, the waltz and basically that's where my illustrious dancing career began. Well, honey. You did debuted? I debuted? Yeah, yeah, you did. I debate. I debuted way too early. Then it's it was. I was a not little ready. Young, I wasn't prepared for society. Uh, normally, uh, the debutante, which is French for female beginner, is a girl or a young lady from an aristocratic or upper class family who has reached the age of maturity, and therefore she that is, seems vague. And therefore, she's an adult and comes out to society at a at a formal debut so maturity meaning that they were old enough to be married okay right. because right now we would say maturity in our in our common vernacular and think 18 
at least. I mean, adulthood, legal adulthood. But if well, we're talking about like 1800s, this could be 15. I mean, it really just depends on the culture. Yeah. It really depends on the culture. Um, some of these are presented at court. So up until about the 1950s, um, this was still happening in Britain at the time in the UK. And uh, Queen Elizabeth II was like, this is kind of weird. I don't want to do this anymore. But before that, um, you were presented to the monarch at court and your name was read aloud. And, you know, I mean, because you were a well-to-do kind of Zhuzhi family. That seems so nerve wracking to me. Can you imagine being like 15 and they're like, yeah, we're going to present you. And like, you always run the risk of them announcing like, you know, young Lord Travers McRoy and like the king going, Ugh. <laughs> like, oh, well, there's the rest of my life gone. Well, I'm ruined. Okay, great. Um, so the tradition in Great Britain, sorry that I mentioned, the tradition in Great Britain probably began in the early 1600s. Um, and like I said, they were presented at court. Um, so it wasn't it wasn't just for the ladies to be presented. It was kind of a fundraising event, if you will. How, for what? For the family? For a dowry? For the king? Uh, a charity. Just charity of choice, it seems. Interesting. Um, because there's a very specific one uh, that came out in the 18th century um, because of Queen Charlotte, who was very interested in, in charitable giving. Uh-huh. Um, and so Queen Charlotte's ball continues as an elite charity event for these young women between the ages of 17 and 20 from wealthy families. Um, but they're but they're no longer presented at court to the monarch. And these charity balls are actually also very popular in Australia, um, where the community kind of puts together these charity balls. And um it can be done by high schools or church groups or service clubs like the Rotary Club. Got it. Um, and it's it's kind of just a ballroom event for charity, more or less. Um, that kind of sounds like what this probably was. I mean, this was hosted at a club of some sort that, God, I can't, might have been Rotary something. Yeah. Where this seemed like that kind of event more than anything, where the, the parents probably paid to have their kids in it. Right. And then that money probably went to the club or to a charity or something like that. So um, in its heyday in England, um, Lord Byron referred to these galas as marriage marts. I mean, that's what it was, I right? Mean, yeah. I mean, basically, you were parading yourself in front of the eligible gentry to be married off. Because that's what life was all about at that, especially... For a young noble lady mm -hmm. of marrying age. That's why, uh, you know, most Jane Austen books exist because of this concept, right? Yes, I think so. Um, so, wealthy ladies, once they were out in society, they were expected to, quote, ride the parks. Excuse uh, me? Well, <laughs> this That meant seems like an awesome, like, a slogan for a theme park, <laughs> you know what I mean? Ride the parks. This means that they were to show off their fine figures while mounted on magnificent, expensive horses, usually accompanied by a chaperone. 
um, about London and parks and, and other things. So basically, you were just supposed to, you know, see and be seen. Okay. And just like ride up and down the park until you got noticed. I mean, I guess so. <laughs> sounds exhausting and boring. I mean, not the horse riding part. That sounds fun. But the idea of, like, you come home from a long day of, like, riding the parks, and your dad's like, how'd it go? And was like, pretty good. Like, five dudes looked at me. It was great. I mean, yeah. Not only were they expected to see and be seen, they, uh-huh. were, uh, they were expected to attend tons of parties and dinners, teas, brunches. You know, they were like, once you were out... You were, it was a season, right? And during that season, which is uh, shortly after Easter, um, you were just supposed to kind of be everywhere um, so that you could be ogled at by everyone, I guess. That sounds like, well, for me, the best, but for probably most people <laughs> and like, especially you love parties. I, well, I just like being ogled, but like if people were like, if you were an introvert, can you believe that? Yeah. It'd be very difficult. Ugh. And um, you really only had three seasons to do it, and then you were an old maid. What? Yeah. That sucks. That happened to um, in Downton Abbey to Lady Edith, right? Oh, I don't know. Spoilers, I guess. I, I don't know. I haven't watched I fell really. off that train way before that, but I'm pretty sure that that happens. So basically, your job. I assume that when we say to go to these parties and, you know, get married, was the job of the woman in in this time? I'm not, a, oh, God, I'm not endorsing this now, but at this point in history, or was everybody going to these balls and just hoping to hook up? Well, there weren't a lot of places in, you know, society that men and women could really mingle together. This is the only way that you really interacted with the opposite sex um, because you were expected to keep to ladies to ladies, men to men at at, at social functions where you weren't out or um, at establishments. There were, you. I mean, like, ladies couldn't go to bars. They had tea rooms. Where did they drink? They didn't. They what? drank at home. Okay, I was going to say, <laughs> they did drink. Um, and in in some circles, you may not even have left the house or really your property as a woman. Didn't have didn't have a lot of Boo. opportunities, you know? That sucks. Yeah. I'm glad it's so much different now. I mean, it is. Still got a ways to go. Um. So then once you did find somebody who you... Her, who you and your family felt was a good match, and sometimes even, they would uh, fiancé or betroth you to someone even before you had come out, um, and you were expected this was your time that you could actually kind of date this person. You know did, what I mean? Did you get any actual say in it, though? Like, if you were fiancé to this person, could you then go back and be like, listen, this is not going to work out? They're terrible. If there were objections, I mean, if you had like reasonable objections to them, but if your family was like, mm, no, they're rich, we want you to marry him, you kind of had to anyway. Okay. Little tough cookies. Um, by the late Victorian era, courting itself, so actually dating the same person uh, with or without chaperone, was expected to last about six months. And then engagement and planning of the wedding, another six months. Um, and then you're supposed to have babies right away. 
Well, yes, because you were so worried about the consumption. Yeah, at that dying point. and stuff. Okay, so moving out to the United States. I've heard of it, yes. Yes. Um, these debutante events were very quickly adopted by the New England colonies. But as the aristocracy fell out of favor, um, young women presentation in society continued, but it was more about um, self-made money, right? So basically, if you had the money, you could participate. It wasn't about your bloodline. Got it. So anyone could do it if you had the money to pay for it. Right, exactly. Well, which is still kind of crappy, but better than just getting to do it because of who you are related to. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, Emily Post mentions debutante balls in her 1923 book, Etiquette, Society, and Business, and Politics, and at Home, um, and said that these debutante balls form the cornerstones of how a respectable young woman has, uh, can take her place within society. Interesting. Right. So she was very much in favor. Well, in 1923. Right. Yes. Yeah. I wonder how she would feel about it if she would look around and go, ah, why don't we do those debutante balls anymore? <laughs> ah. One of the most expensive and long-lasting debutante balls in the, in the United States is the International Debutante Ball at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel in New York City. You have just blown my mind, and I think it shows how little bit I know about debutante balls. I thought a debutante ball was something everybody got. Was it not like, ah, time for my debutante ball? It was like a thing that was like a mass, like a mass coming out, a mass I mean, presentation. It, it, it was if you could pay for it. But what if you missed? What if you just weren't ready to taunt yet? Or debut? Debut. <laughs> that's the part I wanted. What if you just weren't ready to debut? Did you have to wait until the next year? Yeah. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Oh, that must have had a lot of soul searching. People just like staring into the middle of a mirror and just like, I am not ready. And then just <laughs> weeping. Uh, one of the first ones held in the United States um, is the Christmas Cotillion in Savannah, Georgia, which was first held. I bet that was fancy as all. Get out. Are you kidding me? Christmas and in Savannah, I know, Georgia? I know. Whew. It was uh, first held in 1817. So it is quite old. As, is it still going? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Okay, you keep going. I will look at But up. Uh, the National Cotillion and Thanksgiving Ball of Washington, D.C. is still going. And it has met every November for over 60 years. Wow. Well, and, I, I will say okay. as of December 25th, 2010, it was still going. Wow. Uh, the Christmas Cotillion, it was in uh, savannahnow.com, celebrating its 193rd year. The Cotillion Club had its Christmas Cotillion on December 18th. At So, I mean, that was as of 2010. So, I have to assume it's either still going or it definitely, like, went for 193 years That's running. a long time. That's and a long time for things here in America. There are people yeah. in, like, England, this is 193, yeah. Like, I have socks all over them. I get it. I get it. <laughs> well, and and you mentioned the idea of either not being ready or, or something like that. I mean, because of the way that, um, that we do in the U.S., cotillion and debutante balls now, there are a lot of them to choose from. Um, usually, like I said, 
benefiting some sort of charity. So, I mean, maybe if you couldn't make it to one, you could make it to others. If you weren't ready for the first one of the season, you could wait and do another one. I I hate to make it sound like you snooze, you lose. Um, but but it wasn't like it wasn't like they wait on you. And when you're ready, it's like, Father, I'm ready. Throw me a debutante ball. Right. You have to participate in one that's already going. It's not like a sweet 16 that, that your family can just really throw for you. Got it. And do you know, was this a limp? Was this a thing? Because it sounds like if it's like, yeah, there was one in Savannah and there was one in D.C. and there was one in New York. Was it something like you had to travel for? Or was it like, no, every town had its own debutante ball. I suppose that if your town was big enough, it had its own debutante ball. Interesting. But um, that's where they, t- oh, this makes a lot of sense to me. When they talk about like traveling for the season and going somewhere for the and taking their daughters like to London for the season, right? Okay, yeah. thank you, Downton Abbey. Um, and these cotillion balls and debutante balls are actually particularly strong in the African American cu- community even today. Really? Right. Um, so there are several that are usually thrown by um, fraternities and sororities. Uh, which also has a long history in the African-American community. Um, And they still are very formal. um, And it helps helps create this sense of community uh, by meeting other African-Americans who are of similar socioeconomic stature. Cool. Um, So we have some accounts of some debutante balls, but before we get to that, Here's a word from another Max Fun show. Ty is a pedantic person. I think when he pronounces these words, it's, it's in a very show-offy way. Gyro. Gyro. Sacre bleu. Sacre bleu. Ayers rock. Uluru. <laughs> <laughs> what you are witnessing is real. The participants are not actors. They are actual litigants with real cases. They call in via Skype to Judge John Hodgman's court, the real people's court. Now I call you to Judge John Hodgman's internet court. Find it at MaximumFun.org or wherever you download podcasts. Mugs, shirts, stickers, patches, tanks, and more are yours for the purchasing at MaxFunStore.com. Hey, you already love the podcasts, so why not take this to the next level and outfit your home and bod with our merch? MaxFunStore.com. Because if you have to wear a shirt, it should be one of ours. All right, Teresa, tell me. Tell me of these debutante balls. Okay. Here's an account of a debutante ball hosted by the Assistance League of Long Beach, California. Um, And this is a description of what happened at the ball in in July of 1990. Cool. Festivities started at 6.30 p.m. and hors d'oeuvres were served in the foyer outside of the hotel ballroom. Then approximately 300 guests, consisting of debutante families, uh, members of the Assistance League, a co- uh, accompanied by spouses, past debutantes, and um, and men who are escorts, mm-hmm. uh, go into the ballroom, and they're all wearing 
formal dress, black tie dress. Uh, by 8 p.m., the guests... Made- I, I will say also, at, at my cotillion, we were all in uh, black tie. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of like 12 and 13-year-old boys in uh, black tie tuxedos. Oh, how cute. And uh, a lot of uh, 13-year-old girls in very formal dresses. And all of the girls, if I remember correctly, were about a foot and a half taller than all of the boys. <laughs> so uh, by 8 o'clock... The guests are all in the ballroom, and the formal presentation begins. Now, in my cotillion, before we got to the formal, we all had uh, dinner together, and everybody was, we sat at four tables, and it was uh, me and Mallory Morgan at one, and Chilton and his date, Jamie Sullivan, who you've met, mm-hmm. but at the time we were 13, and they served us a formal dinner that mostly uh, ended with, like, the four 13-year-olds of us just, like, spilling our waters everywhere, and, like... <laughs> Throwing broccoli at each other and oh making it. Well, I mean, here's the thing. You put me well, in a formal were, setting and I was 13. I it was, was supposed to have been the culmination of your etiquette classes, didn't and you? And I will say anything? that it was. Well, that's the thing, baby, is like comedy. You just learn where the barriers are so you know when to push them. And I just put, I didn't get in trouble. I didn't get yelled at. No one ever knew what I was doing, but I did like put a leaf into Chilton's water. It was hilarious. This was comedy gold. My goodness. We had a great time. So there's a presenter um, who at this event was the first lady of California and Long Beach Assistance League member. Okay. Uh, She gave a little speech, and uh, it seems that she is the first woman presenter at this time uh, in the 30-year history of this debutante ball. So, Cool. That's, I mean, for for a, you know, ancient ish event i think that it's pretty cool that it's progressive enough that a woman could be a presenter sure um so first she introduces mothers and then uh young men who are the escorts and then uh the men who are attending stag finally the debutantes are presented in descending order of height huh i don't know why i don't know if that's a thing but it was here Huh. Uh, she's okay, pre- wait. Now I need to, like, take a guess as to why. I have two guesses. Okay. Guess number one, it was so when they stood up, it looked really cool altogether. Guess number two is so they could easily match with dance partners who were of a similar height. Hmm. That's just a guess. Okay. I mean, both of those make sense. Um, so, and each girl is presented by her full name and title. She goes up under a gazebo arch sent up in the, set up in the middle of the ballroom and curtsies. Then her father is also introduced by his full, full formal name and title. And together they walk around the ballroom floor. So they kind of just take a little promenade around the floor. I don't like this. I don't like any of this. They do. I don't like the idea of like a dog, <laughs> like a dad. Handing his daughter off to someone. I don't like the idea of them parading around together. I don't like it. Well, this is this is what happened. I know, but I'm just saying, like, I've got a daughter on the way, and she's going to be her own person who can make her own choices. I'm not going to present her to anybody. All right. But I guess that's just because I'm amazing. It's because that's not your tradition. Not at all. Um, so she gives, she gets a little twirl from her father under his arm, hugs her mother sitting at the table, um, and then walks around the rest of the way, gives another twirl, and she goes back to the stage. 
where she her name is read again. She again curtsies and then walks off the stage and waits on the side for everybody to be done. By the way, each time that her name is read, she receives applause from the audience. And then um, once everybody is done, they all get a round of applause together. Okay. Who wins, though? The person there's with the no most winner. applause? No, or? there's no winner. It's not a beauty pageant. Do they vote on it afterwards? Like they call a 1-800 number and different people? No. Be- no? No. Okay. Um, next up is the father-daughter waltz. Which is reminiscent of the father-daughter dance at a wedding, I, I bet suppose. it's very sweet. Um, but after about five minutes, the presenter asks the escorts to cut in. Then, finally dinner. These people have been waiting for a long what? time. What? They haven't already had dinner? Dinner was served at 8.45 p.m. No, 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 no. That's fourth meal at that point. <laughs> That's not dinner. Dinner ain't at 8.45. That's messed up. Yeah. I'm just telling you what happened. Okay. The more I hear about this, the more I think, like, this is just so not for me. I can't, I can imagine myself, even if I was just like of the richest, noblest blood, being at these things, like, this is taking forever. <laughs> I hate this so much. <laughs> okay. Dessert is served by 10. And at that point, the orchestra. Everyone's asleep? No. They roll out cots and like sleeping bags? No, that's when the real dancing begins. So that's when the orchestra begins to play and the guests begin dancing in the ballroom style to begin with. But, you know, around 11 is when the a DJ begins spinning those rock and roll records. <laughs> You're an old lady and I love you very much. This is in the modern day, right? There wasn't like an in like in 1817. It wasn't like, "Oh, time for the DJ." <laughs> like I said, this is an account of a of a debutante ball in California in 1990. Okay, um, so he was playing a lot of Smash Mouth. Um, I suppose. Maybe some so. Matchbox Twenty, some Maroon Five, a lot of Goo Goo Dolls, maybe some Britney. So as you can tell, a lot of this is is very minutely orchestrated. Um, it it is. I mean, I was joking earlier that it wasn't a beauty pageant, but it is a little bit like a beauty pageant. You kind of have to hit your marks and smile and twirl and do your thing. Well, okay. Here's the thing. I, I've turned my nose up at this a little bit, but I, I will say, if I'm going to be fair, I can definitely see where for the strata of people for whom your standing in society informs your ability to function in the world, mm-hmm. I could see where this would be very important. I mean, there are... People in this world who only want to do business with people of the same, like, I don't agree with this whatsoever. Right. But I definitely see if I lived in a community or in a city in which this kind of thing really mattered, that this could be something you would really stress out about and really want to, like, nail down. I don't agree with that, mind you, but I totally see where you would do something like this makes more sense to me in like 1893 than it does in 1993, but it's just not my scene. Okay. That's all right. It is it is some people's scene, you know? And you know what? More power to you. I did a lot of community theater and that's definitely not everybody's scene, so I totally <laughs> get it. Uh so I think that's going to do it for us this week. Uh we're going to wrap up there. It's a little bit of a short episode, but like I said, uh we're dealing with 
lots of no internet and unpacking our house and getting ready for the baby and, and all of these things. we certainly appreciate your patience with us. We are so, so grateful for our um, our subscribers and the Max Fun family and you guys are great. Thank you for putting up with us. We will be back to a normal normal show very shortly. As much as we can. Um, if you have any ideas for topics, if you have any if you have any like people that you want us to do biographies on, let us know because in a perfect world, we will uh, bank a lot of episodes uh, for like a maternity paternity leave kind of thing for when the baby comes. So if you have any ideas, you can tweet at us at SchmannersCast, S-H-M-A-N-N-E-R-S-C-A-S-T. Uh, you can go on Facebook and join the group, Schmanners, uh, and Give us your ideas there. You can email us, schmannerscast.gmail.com. Also, go check out all the other amazing MaximumFun.org shows. Our newest edition, uh, the Dead Pilots Society, it's a show where they take pilots that made it to a certain point, but they were never fully produced. They never made it to air. Um, and the most recent one was written by and starring Max Fun's own John Hodgman. Um, it's and called, we just listened to it. It was amazing. It's called Only Child, in which uh, adult John Hodgman plays 14-year-old John Hodgman <laughs> in an autobiographical story. It's so funny. Go check it out. You're going to love it. Um, but go check out all the other amazing shows as well. And if you have a second, go on iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, tell a friend. Tell a friend about our show. Tell a friend about Maximum Fun in general. Um, you know what? They're going to appreciate it because the shows that MaximumFun.org does are just amazing. Uh, and we want to say thank you to Brent, Brent of Philosophy Black, for our intro and outro music. Which, which is, is a- available on iTunes as a ringtone. It's also, I'm told, available on Android, but I don't know where or how to find it. You should tweet at Brent of <laughs> and ask him, and he'll probably be able to tell you. But if you have uh, an Apple device, you can uh, go like through your phone or through your iPad and just search Schmanners in the iTunes store. It's a pretty groovy tune. It is a pretty groovy tune, man. Um, and we want to say thank you to Kayla and Wassel for our amazing, uh, logo and album art. Um, and thank you, of course, to Emily Post, uh, not only Teresa's best source of research, but also, uh, an inspiration to us all. Uh, I think that's going to do it for us. Join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it? MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.